we're in week number four of a four-part series. We've been talking about beginning again because there are moments in your life where you do find yourself beginning again. Maybe a marriage has ended or maybe a bad relationship has brought you to the point of beginning again. Maybe a job situation where you are beginning all over or maybe you're going back to college. Sometimes we even find ourselves beginning again financially. But whatever the circumstances, if you are beginning again in something, we usually want to say this, I want to begin again, but this time better. This time around, I want to do it better. We find ourselves also learning from our mistakes. We talked about that in week number one. We learn from our mistakes. We, uh, you can see that with children in video games, you, maybe yourself in video games. You can find yourself kind of learning from your mistakes when you are hunting or fishing. You discover what works, what doesn't work, and you don't do that. And you, you, know, you, you learn from your mistakes. The reality is we learn from our mistakes in the things that don't matter that much. But the things that are really important, the big things, we don't learn from our mistakes usually, and we repeat those mistakes over and over and over again, relationship after relationship, job after job, person after person, we find ourselves repeating those mistakes again and again. And partly, we talked about again in week one, it's because we believe some things that just aren't true. We believe some lies. We, we have a tendency to believe that experience makes us wiser, but that's not true. Experience does not make us wiser. We said experience will make us angrier. Experience will make, uh, make us older, but it does not make us any wiser. But the true statement to that is this, evaluated experience makes us wiser. That's the truth. We have to evaluate that experience, and through this series, we have been learning how to do some of that. Here's another lie we have a tendency to believe. We say, now, I know better, so I'll do better. I know better, so I'll do better. Unfortunately, that's just a a lie as well, because your children, your teenagers, your preschoolers, just because they know what to do doesn't mean they're going to do the right thing or do better. It just doesn't work that way, and if it doesn't work with them... We know for ourselves, if we're being honest, it certainly doesn't work for us as well because there are so many things that we know better, but we do the opposite anyway. And then we said this on week number one. We said we have a tendency to believe that the clock's a ticking and time's our enemy. I got to jump right back in and I got to get begin again right now, immediately, instantly, because time's a-wasting. But the reality is time is actually our friend because it takes time to evaluate our past and our experiences so that we can be wiser. Time is actually our friend. We also said in week number two that we have to name it and claim it. And by that I mean this, we have to be very specific and say this is the problem in that experience that is causing me to begin again here is, here are the problems and then we have to claim it and say that part of the problem that part right there those parts these parts those are mine i am responsible for those parts i'm not responsible for all of them may not even be responsible for most of them but i am responsible for some of them i have to name it and claim it and say that that was my responsibility 
Unfortunately, again, we have a a tendency to say, but it's not my fault. It's their fault. It's that idiot. It's their problem. They're the reason I'm having to begin again. It is their fault. And as we blame people, we're focusing on them and it takes the focus off of ourselves and it makes it where we don't have to claim any responsibility because we're blaming them for everything. It takes the pressure off of us. We learned this in week number two, that blame allows us to smuggle the problems from our past into our future. Blame actually allows us to smuggle the problems from our past into our future. And that's not going to help us because we're going to take the very same problems into the next relationship, into the next job, into the next financial situation. So... We can't blame. We have to name it and we have to claim it. Then we said this as part of that. We said we want you to draw a circle. We're going to put that on the screen. We want you to draw a circle, make kind of a pie chart and say this, this is my responsibility. This part is mine. We said to, to, to make peace with your past, you have to claim your peace of the past. That's kind of part of the name it and claim it. So we experience a job loss, we experience a breakup, we experience a situation where we have to begin again, and what do we find ourselves doing? We look back at that later, and we hit ourselves on the forehead, and we say, what what was I thinking? What was I thinking? And then we jump back in, and we begin again. And that one messes up, and eventually we look at it, and we say, oh my goodness, that was ridiculous. What was I thinking? And last week, we said, you owe it to yourself to ask that question, but then to stop and actually answer that question. Before you move on to begin again, you need to answer that question. Well, what was I thinking? I mean, why did I say yes? Why did I agree to that? Why did I do that? Why? What was I thinking? We need to answer that question, and here's why. If I continue to think the way I have always thought, then I will continue to do in my future what I have always done. And God wants to, here's the second step, first is name and claim it, the second we talked about last week, God wants to change your mind. God wants to change the way you are thinking. Because He understands if you change your thinking, you are changing your future. And really, this whole changing your thinking thing is something you have to be willing to do and participate in, but it is God who does the changing. So we have to ask, what was I thinking? And then we have to agree to and let God do. So we have to name and claim it. we got to change our mind, and that's the big thing we have to agree to and let God do. We have to ask that question, well, why did I spend so much money? What was I thinking? Why did I spend all of that money at Christmas for that one day out of the year, and now I'm going to pay for it for two years? What was I thinking? We owe it to ourselves to not only ask that question, but to stop, to pause and answer that question before we begin again. Today... We're going to jump into something else. You see, we talked about week number two, your part of the pie chart, your responsibility. You said of all the problems, if this circle represents all the problems that are are causing me to have to begin again, 
those, that part right there, that's my part, not all of it. Let's just assume for a moment that your part is the little red part there, or whatever color that is. You say, that's my part. I didn't do it all. In fact, I may not have even done most of it, but that part, that little part is my part, and that's mine. I own that. Today, we're not talking about your part. We talked about that week number two. Today, we're talking about that other part, that big part. Today, we're talking about what they did, their part, where they are responsible. That's what we're talking about. For most people, maybe their part is the smaller slice. Could be. Maybe it is. But today, we're talking about the rest of the pie chart, the part that is their part, where they played a very significant role. Maybe a big part of why you even have to begin again is within their part. Could be. This is a painful part because they really did lie to you. They really did hurt you. Really, they did cheat on you or they stole from you. And that is painful. And they really are to blame for their part. They are. They are responsible for what they did. But here's, here's a key. They are responsible for what they did, but I am responsible for what I do with all of this. I'm responsible for what I do with all of this. Just like if you don't own your part of the responsibility, it means you are smuggling the problems from your past into your future. If you don't deal properly with their part, then you are allowing that person to smuggle their problems into your future. If you don't deal properly with the hurt and the pain and the anger and, and all of that junk related to their part, then you are allowing them to smuggle all of that junk into your future. You're allowing them to. You're giving them power over your future. Now this is one reason why some people repeat the same mistakes over and over, relationship after relationship, person after person, job after job, financial situation after financial situation. Two reasons. One is either you didn't own your part, the second reason is what we're talking about today, or maybe you didn't deal properly with the damage from the other person's part. And now because of that, that person is dragging all of their junk into your future because you did not deal with it. They're dragging all of their junk into your next job, into your next relationship, into your next marriage, into your next financial situation. This morning we have some very important questions that we're going to help. We're going to use them to kind of help us understand what's going on. And I just admit to you up front, as we've learned from this series from Andy, he's guided us through this whole process from step one in this series. And even through today, this, these questions are very insensitive. In fact, if you are going through this right now, this question will feel very insensitive. And in that context, it is 
very insensitive, but yet these are still questions that we have to ask, we need to ask, and we need really to see them through to an answer. So even though these questions are insensitive, we're going to go ahead and ask them. So just kind of let your heart pause with me for just a moment as we ask some insensitive questions about a very sensitive topic in your life, whatever that might be, of whatever, whatever has caused you to have to begin again. Here's one of these questions. How far into your future of that person are you going to carry the anxiety you experience because of that person how long do you intend to carry this dread that you feel about this person or this circumstance and you say well harley i i i, I don't know I, I i haven't really thought about this and that's why i would say i that's why we need to ask the question and answer it because maybe you haven't thought about it like that. Here's another way to think about it. How long, how far into your future are you willing to carry this agony? How far are you willing to carry this apprehension and this distress? And you say, Harley, I don't know. I, I don't have a plan. And I would say... That's why, that is why we need to talk about it. Because if you don't have a plan to drop it, then you are most certainly going to carry it and continue carrying it the next day, the next year, into the next relationship, into the next job, into the next marriage. Here's another way to ask the very same question. Exactly how long do you intend to allow the person who has mistreated you, the person who has hurt you, how long do you intend to allow that person to influence you and your future? How long? I mean, could we possibly get out a calendar and flip through the, the days or the weeks or months, even years, and decide exactly how long? I mean, is the answer, well, I, I'm going to do it after I blow up my next marriage or my next relationship, or after I get fired, or, or I'll do it after that next job. I'll do it then. How long exactly? Do you plan on carrying that distress with you? How long do you allow that big piece of the problem, that big piece of the pie, how long are you going to allow that to control you? How long are you going to give permission for that person to reach into your future? Have you ever met anyone who seemed really normal? I mean, just well-adjusted, just a normal, average person. And then you get to know them. Maybe it was in a small group, or, or maybe you were talking at lunch or something, and you, you get to know them, and you realize that they have 
they have something in their past that is huge. I mean, someone has hurt them. Something really, really went wrong and it was bad. And you look at them and you say, I would, I would have never guessed that you went through that junk. I never would have guessed that. How did you end up so normal, so well-adjusted when you have that that happened to you? I suggest this. That's one of our goals, is for someone to look at us and see that we are so normal, well-adjusted and functioning and living and contributing and growing and healthy. And then when they do hear our story, that they would respond and say, oh my word, how did you get through that? to where you are so normal and adjusted today, how did you get beyond all of that? And you actually have the ability to do that. To leave all of that behind you. And more than just the ability, you actually have the responsibility to do that. And you say, but Harley, I, I, I don't have the ability. I would say, yes, you have the response ability. The, you have the ability to respond and begin to leave that behind you. You are going to have to let go of your past so that your past can let go of you. You're going to have to. And there's one word that is going to facilitate that process and allow that to begin to happen. To let go of your past so your past can let go of you. And that one word, you may have guessed it already, that one word is forgive. Forgiveness allows you to leverage the lessons. And it takes time to learn those. It allows you to, to leverage the lessons from the past without carrying the baggage of the past into your future. And it does take time. But I really believe this, that if you begin this journey of forgiveness, that God's going to honor that. Now we're going to get some help this morning from a guy named Paul. And Paul, he had a past. We talked about him several times during this series. Paul hated Christ followers. In fact, he had them hunted down. He had them arrested, had them beaten, many times had them killed. Paul had a past. And then Paul became one of those. He became a Christ follower. And now what's Paul going to do with all of this past where he, his whole life was that to exterminate Christians, Christ followers, and now he became one. What's he going to do with all of that past? He gives us some incredible insights. He's already given us some earlier. He's going to give us some more today. And we're going to find these in a letter he wrote to a church in Ephesus. It's in Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul goes on to say this. He says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. He gives us his first hint. He's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, be angry. All right, be angry. In other translations, he even, they even interpret it as that. Be angry, but don't sin. Paul is saying, it's okay to be angry, but don't sin. 
You can be angry and not sin. You can do both. Be angry and don't sin. There's a time and a place for anger. And Paul is saying, but you have to keep anger in its place. Be angry. Don't sin. Do you ever realize that your anger and my anger is always related to the past? Anxiety often relates to the future, but your anger relates to the past. And Paul says, be angry, yeah, be angry, but don't sin. And he goes on to help us. He says, don't let, in other words, you have a choice here. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Many folks interpret this as very literal. That he means you you get angry, don't let that sun go down before you have taken care of this. And perhaps it is literal. Because, I mean, for the small things, you know, your husband left the toilet seat up for the hundredth time that week. Yeah, okay, don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down on that anger, on those little things. But then there are some other things that we have in life that we face that are not so little, that are actually huge. And Paul is saying this. How long are you going to carry this? I mean, exactly how long? How many more sunsets are you going to allow happen before you decide to deal with this? And Paul is saying you have a role to play in all of this. He tells us in verse 27. He says, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. He says, do not give, do not grant, do not gift the devil a foothold. And a foothold here is a staging area. It's an area where more plans are made and plans begin to happen. A staging area. He says, don't give the enemy a staging area in your life where he can plan and begin to launch his attack on your future, don't give that to him. Don't hand it over to him as a gift. And so you say, okay, okay, sounds good, but how do I avoid that? And he says, just by dealing with your anger. By deciding it's going to end. This anger I have about all of this junk that has happened, that is their responsibility, this part that is their part, it's going to end. And it's going to end here. And I'm going to pick the day. It's going to end. I'm not going to allow that person to smuggle their junk into my future. It's interesting that Paul uses the word devil here. Now, this is not the same word that Paul uses when he describes, um, specifically when he calls out Satan by name. When he calls out Satan by name, he uses a proper noun, a name. But in this scenario, he's using the word devil, which is not a name. It is an adjective describing. Now, this is a word that is used at times to describe Satan. It is used to, but it's also used to describe, uh, to describe um, a liar or a deceiver. And so bear with me for a moment because I want to give you maybe a little bit of a more clear understanding for you of what Paul is talking about. And he very well may be speaking specifically about Satan, but he uses the word devil, meaning 
liar or meaning uh, you know, deceiver. And so what we're getting ready to talk about here for just a moment is going to help you understand a little more clearly what Paul is speaking of with this whole topic. Here's what I need you to do. Think with me for a moment about the person who is responsible for that pain that's in that big part of the pie chart. The part that is their responsibility. The part that is their fault, that has caused you pain, that has caused you hurt, that has harmed you. Who is, don't call it out, and if you're sitting by him, don't elbow him or don't point to him. Who, who is that person? Think of their name in your mind. And there may be many people involved, but pick one. For this moment, think of that person, a person. Who is the person? Now, place that person inside of this verse to help you gain some perspective and some clarity about what is happening in your life. So here it is. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Don't give that person, put their name right there, don't give them a foothold in your life. Do not hold, give, do not gift, do not grant that person a foothold into your life. Do not offer them a, a foothold into your future. Don't sit there and continue to allow that person to smuggle their junk into your future. You don't want to give them, a, a, the person who has hurt you the most, you don't want to give them a staging area, a staging ground to plan and to implement a plan that's going to damage your future and your life. And you don't intend to do that. It's not what you intend. No one wants to give the person who has hurt them the most action, actual access into your life or into your future. You don't want to do that. But that is exactly what Paul is saying. That's what we are doing. If we hold on to that anger night after night after night after night. Instead, we have to decide to let it go. We have to decide, I am going to learn from that, but I'm not going to let that define me today or tomorrow. And Paul is saying there is a place for anger, but we have to keep anger in its place. Paul goes on with a couple more verses, and then he lands here in verse 31. He says, now, Get rid. In other words, you have a decision to make. You must decide something different besides, beyond anger. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And now he goes on. Verse 32. Instead, so he says, get rid of this, decide to, and decide now to do this. Instead, be kind to each other tender-hearted, forgiving one another. He says, forgive them. Do you know what it means to forgive them? 
It means you are offering that person who has harmed you, you're offering them a pardon. You're not saying, oh, well, you're not guilty. No, no, you're saying you were guilty, but I'm going to let you off. You did it. You for sure did it, but I'm not going to punish you any longer. Instead, I'm going to pardon you. And this question comes up all the time. Andy reminds us of this. His question is this. Well, when they've done that, well, do I call the police or do I just let them go? Do I pardon them, forgive them, and let them go? Do I call the police? What do I do? And here's the answer. The answer is yes. You call the police. I mean, now you call the police when they broke the law. You call the police and now they have two people to deal with. They have you to deal with and they have the judicial system to deal with. You call the police. You call the authorities. Now, the authorities might say you are guilty. They, they are guilty and the authorities might punish them. That's out of your control. That's not up to you. Paul is saying your part is to pardon them. Let the judicial system do what the judicial system needs to do. Your part now, from this point, is to pardon them in your heart. You're going to say, your mistreatment of me is no longer going to define my life. I'm going to pardon you. Yes, you're guilty, but I pardon you. I can't tell you what the judicial system will do, but I'm pardoning you in my heart. And then Paul goes on to say why we offer them a pardon. He says we forgive them just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You see, God offered us a pardon. He looked at us and said, you are guilty and he looked at his son and he said you will pay the price for their guilt i'm going to cast all of that on you on myself god says i will take all of your guilt onto myself and i will pardon you yes you are guilty but i'm not going to hold it against you any longer god actually pardoned us and here's an important point. You can't wait for that person to come to you and apologize. Because the reality is they probably are never going to apologize. They may not even think they've done anything wrong. You cannot wait for them to apologize to you, for you to pardon them and forgive them. And In fact, as a Christ follower, you are commanded, you are commanded to go first. You pardon them. You go first. You don't wait on them to do anything. You go on. You are going to go on. You have to decide. I'm going to let go of my anger first, and I'm going to go on. You have to let it go so that you can go on. So you don't keep dragging them, and you don't keep dragging that junk into your future you decide first you go first you pardon them the first step of all of this this morning we're asking you will you go home and make a list will you make a list you say i don't need to make a list i've already forgiven them i say god forgive them for everything they've done 
I'm not talking about some kind of generic decision where you say you are pardoned from everything you've done. You are forgiven. I forgive you for everything you've done. You see, if you're going to pardon someone, you need to be very, very specific. If you're going to say, I'm not going to punish you. Yes, you were guilty, but I'm not going to punish you. If you're going to say that, then you must be very specific about what you are offering a pardon for. You need to be specific. On your list, you can say, you stole time from my marriage. You stole the opportunity for me to put my child to bed at night. You stole my chance to see them on their birthdays and to see them after school. If you're going to offer a pardon, you need to be very, very specific with what the pardon is for. You have to be crystal clear. In your mind, a crystal clear picture. So we're asking you to write it down. Not so you can show them. This is for you, not for them. So that you can know what you're pardoning them for. And I think this is why Paul was not speaking literally about the sun going down before you handle that anger. Because there are simply some things that are so big that it will take many, many sunsets before you're able to deal with it completely. But he's saying this, don't let the sun set on your life before you deal with this. How many, he's saying, how many sunsets are you going to allow happen before you begin dealing with this and before you begin to head down this journey of letting go? And here's a caution. (coughs) The caution is this. You will never, ever let go of their part until you first own your part. And that's what we talked about in week two. Because you cannot start with this step, the step of forgiveness. You first have to go through owning your part. You cannot forgive them before you have faced your part. And if you try to skip it, then you're going to continue being controlled by that person into your future. Here's where you start. We talked about it week number two. Name it and claim it. You have to say, here's the problem, very specifically. Here are the problems, and these parts, you claim it, these parts are mine. I am, respon- I am responsible for these parts. And the second step, we talked about it last week. You say, God, I need you to change my mind. Help me answer the question. What was I thinking? And then, God, I want that thinking behind me. Because if I continue to think the way I've always thought, then I will continue to do what I've always done. And if I keep doing what I change my mind, keep getting what I always got. God, I need you to change my mind. And then today's step, we got to let it go. Because the past should only remind us. It should never define us. It should never define our future. We have to let go of the past so that our past will let go of us. You can begin again, this time better. And it can be so much better this time, but it won't be, not if you rush it. You have to take time. Take time to do 
what needs to be done. Let's pray. God, you've told us to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. To get rid of harsh words and slander and all types of evil behavior. And God, you said instead of those things, for us to be kind to each other, tender-hearted, and forgiving of one another. And God, you have told us to give them a pardon. We can't control what the judicial system will do. But you told us in our hearts to give them a pardon. Why? Just as you, God, through Christ, have given us a pardon. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with what we have heard and give us the courage to do it. In the mighty, amazing name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.